0: The schedule, the job, the kids. Take some time just for you. It's Sunday mornings with D. Daniels on B101.5, powered by Mary Washington Healthcare. One of D.C.'s best hospitals that isn't in D.C. It's in Fredericksburg, Mary Washington Hospital. Here for you. And now, D. Daniels.
1: Good Sunday morning and welcome to the show. The show that is all about you and your life and your world. One of the big things we all tend to struggle with on occasion is being on our phones too much, in front of the TV too much, on Facebook too much. And then on top of that, most of us are trying to help our kids and keep our kids from the same struggle, which, as most of you know, is a serious uphill battle. But beyond the fact that it is technology and sensory overload, experts say too much screen time is also causing our kids some real physical problems too. And I want to discuss this more in depth with our guest today and our guest this week is Dr. Robert Malillo, co-founder at Brain Balance Achievement Centers, and Dr. Malillo, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me. This is an important topic.
1: Yes, very important topic. You know, I I feel like uh, we're talking about it more and more uh, today and right now in this time, and I think that's a wonderful thing. But this isn't just a matter of annoyance that kids are on the phone too much or playing games too much. We're actually seeing proof, and you guys are seeing proof, that this is affecting our kids and their brain development.
2: Absolutely. Um, You know, when you look at what's occurred over the last 30 years, um, you know, things like ADHD have gone up uh, thousands of percentage points. We know that things like autism 30 years ago was... One in 10,000, it's now less than one in 50. Um, And learning disabilities, dyslexia, all of these different issues that we realize are developmental, and even most mental health issues, we know things like schizophrenia, for instance, and psychosis, really starts in childhood or in the womb. And that it may not manifest until later on in life, but it actually starts during child development. Almost most things in psychology and education now are being looked at as developmental in nature. So how our brain develops is incredibly critical, and what we see going on right now, the epidemic where basically one in five kids in the United States have some sort of label or diagnosis for a behavioral issue, social issue, or learning problem, um, you know, really I believe started 30 years ago with the advent of computers and with the start of personal computers and videos and it changed our lifestyle dramatically, and it's doing that even more now today because you know you walk around you see two year olds playing with their parents yes. and this is very disconcerting yes
1: yes it is and you know I, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up I was just watching a documentary uh, just the other week about how much sensory overload we have from computers from our phones from all of that just in the last 10 years if you just look at it in the last 10 years our whole lives have changed in the way that we interact with other people and how much time we spend looking at a device and how much that's in our presence and our physical presence how much of that is going into our emotional side and you know how much that affects us as adults I mean just imagine how much more amplified that is in a brain that's still developing
2: yeah, you know, ten years ago, the exposure of kids to digital technology through you know various HD screens and and uh, smartphones was virtually zero, um, and now we're looking at somewhere around eleven hours a day, and. As you said, children's brains, you know, between zero and three, the brain grows from 25% of its size to 90% of its adult size. There's this wow. massive growth occurring. And the brain is unbelievably uh, modifiable, it's adaptable, it really adapts to whatever sensory stimulation or experiences it's exposed to, especially during that time. And so. You know, if you can't imagine an 11 hours a day of being exposed to something that the brain normally was never exposed to isn't going to reshape? and change connections and the way the brain actually functions then you're kidding yourself because it absolutely is especially in early childhood that's why it kills me when i see parents like the the, both hemispheres of the brain isn't really formed until six years of age so you know that especially before six kids should not be exposed to any of this at all they shouldn't really even be using computers at all but, you know, when you see a two-year-old or a three-year-old and the parent just sticks it in there because the child is bored or because they want the child to say it just, it's really, it's a bad habit that we've gotten into and we got to, We have to break it.
1: We're talking to Dr. Melillo and he is the co-founder at Brain Balance Achievement Centers. We're talking about too much screen time, not only for us as adults, but for kids and what it's doing to our kids. And maybe this is something we need to look at and assess in a whole different manner than what you've been doing if you're also feeling fighting that uphill battle, as most parents are. Tell us a little bit about the uh, Brain Balance Achievement Center. Give us a little background of what you guys do.
2: Well, you know, my work has always been about uh, really looking at neurology and rehabilitation, and I've been a clinician, but I've also been a researcher. And in the early '90s, the idea of um, ADHD—that's when it really started to increase dramatically. You know, between 1990 and '95, there was an increase in 250 percent the use of Ritalin in the United States, and nobody really understood why. Um, And at that point, a number of people had been coming to me asking about, you know, what could be done with their child with ADHD. And then I was told by a teacher that they thought my son had it. Um, and so at that point, you know, I really wanted to know what it was, yeah. what it was happening in the brain. I was already a teacher or a professor or I already doing brain research, but I didn't really know a lot about ADHD. And, um, and uh, I realized that, you know, not, nobody else really knew what it was either. So, uh, you know, my, uh, I spent the early part of my time really trying to understand what it was and then realized that it really is the underlying problem is really the same as in autism, as in OCD, as in Tourette's, as in dyslexia. They're all the same underlying problem. It's mm-hmm. the, this developmental imbalance in the brain, especially between the two hemispheres that affects the integration of networks um, so that we see certain areas of the brain on one side are unusually stronger um, or even more developed or more connected and with right. the other areas on the other side are underdeveloped and, you know, the ability to, to form ideas and memories is really our ability to really connect and synchronize multiple areas of our brain on the same side, at the, uh, on different sides at the same time. And if we can't do that, it affects our ability to learn. And really everything, like behavioral issues or, or, or learning issues, as well as academic. And so Brain Balance was a program that I developed to correct that problem, to be able to target these areas that are underdeveloped and underactive on one side, and by doing series of activities and exercises three times a week over a period of, of time, uh, we're able to strengthen those areas, stimulate them to grow and mature, and then connect and integrate with other areas on the other side and effectively fixing these problems on a long-term basis and so these are learning centers um, but we deal with kids that have really significant learning issues we're not just doing basic tutoring or anything like that Um, so, you know, that's the the core of what brain balance is about.
1: Well, and I like the fact that, uh, yes, the, the, you know, this, this is something that you, you focus on, uh, kids that are, are really, really struggling with some, some big problems. But at the same time, I, I like this holistic approach kind of with starting from, okay, what are we doing? How much time are we spending doing these certain things? And let's start there with, with a new plan. So a lot of that comes down to an initial assessment that you, uh, that you can do with children.
2: Yes, and, and as you said, you know, we use a very comprehensive, the core of what we do is uh, motor and sensory based stimulation. You know, when we talked about what, you know, how computers and how video games and how they really impact the brain development, right. not only do they have a direct effect, but mainly it's because we've become more sedentary. Movement is what builds the brain in childhood especially, and what keeps our brain active throughout our whole life. So as we become less physically Active or children more and more at earlier and earlier ages are moving less and less and less. So what we see is that that is one of the biggest impacts. So motor and sensory-based stimulation is really at the core of one of the things we do. But also then doing academic and cognitive-based stimulation towards you know certain areas of the brain that are underdeveloped. But then supporting that all with diet and nutrition and lifestyle changes to make them more active in general, um, you know, is really what we do as a whole. And so each child is different. The makeup of their strengths and weaknesses is. Is different, So the assessment we do really identifies on each child that unique combination of strengths and weaknesses on which, which side of the brain, and then we put together an individualized program, and all of this is based on objective measurements and objective data that we collect every day on the child so that we can also chart their progress.
1: I like that you were talking about the uh, the the motor skills and the sensory skills and, and those sort of things and, and, and being way too sedentary these days. You know, I think as we as adults notice this even in ourselves, but we definitely don't uh, want to or, or know how sometimes to manage it with with the kids and too much, you know, screen time or too much video games have replaced real exercise for kids. I mean, these kids a lot of times go weeks without going outside other than, maybe walking from the school to the car you know at the bus line
2: yeah it's it's a real problem because we see obesity and uh you know type 2 diabetes when i went when i graduated from from graduate school uh, i was told that i would never see a patient under 60 with type 2 diabetes um, and that was in the mid 80s right. now it's very common to yeah. see kids under 10 yeah type 2, we used to call that late onset or old age diabetes that you only got when you were old. Now we have kids that have bodies that have, that have you know, or under 10 have bodies that are acting like 60-year-old people 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It's really a problem and, you know, that's why people don't realize it that um, you know, many times they don't let their kids outside because they're afraid. You know, we think we're protecting them more. But, you know, I mean, growing up, I'm sure like me, I was always outside. I was riding yeah. my bike, playing game, playing cl- you go outside, you don't see that anymore. You don't see kids outside. You don't see them. They're in, they're even on the playground, teachers tell me they don't play. They sit there and they play. They're on their phones. and they're on. It's really, you know, in Japan, it's a very smart thing. In Japan, they take their cell phone now um, right in the, in, the, in, the, in the day. And in France, they're doing that, too, where they, they're taking the phone from the child and they can't have it till the end of the day. That should be routine in the United States. We have to do that because it's affecting their personal. Interaction, how they listen in class, you know whether they they play during recess or gym. It's really an important thing. I think that's one step we can take right away.
1: Absolutely, I totally agree with you. And you know, as we're talking about the the social interaction piece of it, I mean, really, the kids are are now having most of their conversation, the majority of their conversations through a device, and that's right. just, that's really disturbing. It, I mean, you think about how much our social interaction as kids how much that built us into normal you know adults to be able to act uh, a certain way at work and with other people as we grew up I just wonder the the how we're gonna have these kids grow up and be in the adult world and interact in the right way I mean it it is it's a big concern
2: it's a big concern and actually you know it's not a coincidence that we see this epidemic rise and the fastest growing mental disorder amongst youth is autism. What is autism? It's a communication issue where you can't communicate to people appropriately. That's essentially what autism is, especially nonverbal communication where you have to be looking at the person and you have to hear their tone of voice and look at their facial expression. And that's really more what autism is, even more than a verbal issue. And so what, what promotes that? Obviously, if we're talking to each other through text that would you would think that that would promote that type of deficit right where we're more focused on the on the written text which is a left brain skill and we're less focused on looking at nonverbal communication which is interpersonal skills which is really more of a right brain skill and what i've shown in my research is autism and adhd these are right brain deficits where the right brain is not being developed in early in early childhood
3: it was very scary to find out that I was diagnosed with cancer.
4: For Kathy Carter of Fredericksburg, cancer's effects were all too real.
3: I had just lost two cousins in death from breast cancer and the fear was there. Then some peace came over me. It was through the health care what kind of service I was gonna get.
4: Kathy did her research to compare cancer care at other hospitals. She chose Mary Washington Healthcare's Regional Cancer Center, where she met nurse navigators Pam and Regina. She felt a personal connection right away.
3: They were my lifesavers. It gave me a lot of hope. They cared about me as a person. From the moment you walk into Mary Washington Hospital, the nurses, the doctors, it's like they're so caring. Awesome. I got the best.
4: Today, after surgery and additional treatments, Kathy embraces the personal attention.
3: It wasn't just treating me for cancer, it was treating me, Kathy, with
4: cancer. Mary Washington Healthcare's Regional Cancer Center, here for you.
3: Now, back to
0: Sunday mornings of D. Daniels on D101.5.
1: this week to Dr. Robert Melillo, the co-founder of Brain Balance Achievement Centers and also the writer of many books, including Disconnected Kids. Tell us a little bit about the book.
2: Well, Disconnected Kids was, you know, an effort that I've been working on this and I realized that I was getting phenomenal results. I mean, I was correcting problems that were supposedly incorrectable, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, things like ADHD and OCD and Tourette's and dyslexia and even some autistic cases that were, you know, completely resolved. And I knew it was very important, so I knew we needed to get this out to as many people as possible. So I started teaching other doctors and therapists around the world, but it wasn't fast enough and I wanted to get it into the hands of people everywhere. So, um, you know, I had home activities or with people that couldn't get to my office in New York. I used to devise things, you know, through, through their home. And so I took a lot of that information and put it into a book so that everybody could, one, understand this new research as far as what was the actual problem, because this was really the first new concept in this field. In over 50 or 60 years, um, it completely revolutionized the way we really think of these issues and understand them. And I wanted parents to really understand it, because it also is a very hopeful message that, you know, you're not just stuck with this. Like, there are things you can do about this, and you can change it permanently. And so I wanted to get this into the hands of parents. But... Obviously, we also wanted to get the best version, so Brain Balance Centers is a a much more sophisticated version of what's in the book, so that, you know, that's basically our flagship is if parents want to bring their kids to our centers, but if they want to understand what's going on or they can't get to a center, you know, my book has been translated into, I think, eight languages now, and I get a letter pretty much every day from around the world from some parent that's telling me that the book alone has changed their child's life completely.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Amazing. And and for you to be able to see this uh, research come to life and realize the importance of it to be able to get it out there, you know, not just to people who can obviously get to uh, one of these centers. But for us, I mean, it, it's going to as a parent, as an adult, as another human being in the world, it's, it's going to take a minute to soak something in and say, OK, this is solid research. This isn't just, uh, you know, someone coming out of nowhere saying, uh, you know, maybe this is affecting our kids. This is definitely affecting our kids
2: yes and and i have to say that you know there's over the last year and a half or so and for probably the next year there's a major study being done at harvard medical school at mclean hospital the number one mental institution in the united states looking at you know psychological tests and also brain imaging um, uh, and looking at the idea of brain balancing exercises for kids with adhd and Preliminary data is is unbelievable, actually. It's showing changes in the brain that have never been really shown before. So, again, this is independently being verified by Harvard Medical School at this point in time. And, and when that research comes out, I think next year it's really going to change the way everybody really understands and looks at this. Um, but, you know, the, the main thing is that it's showing that, you know, there is a solution that works. And this is really where it's at. As you said, I believe, I always say this is the most important social issue of our time, of what's happening to our kids, but Absolutely. yet there isn't enough people in the media like you talking about this. We yeah. should be screaming this, because this is really, really a, a big problem, and you know, the idea of brain imbalances and brain integration is going to become the core. You're going to see it, that everything, we're going to have a brain-centered model of, of health care, of education, of mental health, because ultimately everything comes from the brain, and we're we're getting a much better understanding of that. And this is the beginning of it.
1: Absolutely. Co-founder of Brain Balance Achievement Centers, Dr. Robert Melillo, is my guest this week. And we're talking about uh, kids and how too much screen time and too many things that are going on, overload, sensory overload, so many things like that, technology overload, how that's affecting our kids and their brain development. And I want to talk a little bit about the uh, website, brainbalancecenters.com is the website you can go to. There is a free (laughs) assessment that uh, parents can get involved with there that will just kind of start this process if they want to learn more.
2: Right. Right, if, if they want to learn more about whether this fits their child or whether their child may have a brain imbalance, because not all learning challenges are brain imbalances, right? Right. Um, so if they want to know, you know, is it a brain imbalance and is there more of a right brain or left brain deficit, they can go to the website and, you know, there's a lot of educational material. There's a lot of videos by me um, and there's some of my research, other research. There's a lot of resources there that they can go to um, and they can find out if, you know, if I'm going to be local speaking, um, they can come out or they can go and speak to the people in their local center and they'd love to be able to speak to them and even show them around.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think what a, a, a great way. It's a very easy to navigate website. I, I like the website a lot. It's very easy for parents who may be confused or maybe thinking, you know, I've, I've run into a lot of parents, I know you have too, that, you know, they think, okay, what's going on with my child and they've taken them somewhere and, and maybe the first response is to get them on medication and right. not... a address the underlying problem. And so many parents have gone through years of struggle with medication before they start actually addressing the underlying problem. And once they do realize, oh my God, you know, we should have started in a different direction. So maybe this can save them years of, of struggle and problems with this.
2: Yeah. You know, medication, we know doesn't really have any long-term benefit in these issues I mean there is no medication for dyslexia or learning disabilities or processing issues Um, and so it isn't even an option in in many of these things but even in where it is it really doesn't have any long-term benefit that's really well documented and as you said it's because it doesn't get to the core problem and you know so ideas of trying to manage these issues really that's been the, the the main approach in education and in anything it's been basically Let's just try to manage these. But the, the fact of the matter is there's no good way to manage these issues long term. It impacts the family. It impacts the other siblings. You know, it affects the, these people, uh, you know, when they grow up. And so the only good answer is to try to correct it at its core as early as possible. And, and that's the answer, and that's the answer that we can provide the majority of time to people. So, you know, um, any time they, del- they delay, is just delaying what, what really could be a completely different life you know six months or a year down the road from what they've been experiencing
1: absolutely do you see some of the schools maybe starting to step up I know it's sometimes it's school by school by school and not even you know as a whole district but I feel like I hear at least a little about some of the schools starting to take a a better approach in in you know realizing uh, that maybe the kids are having some trouble in certain areas and they're trying to learn more too I mean I think everybody's in this learning process of like like, okay, we should be learning more about these issues instead of just shoving them off to a doctor uh, that's going to maybe put them on medication or whatever. We should be getting a little more information
2: yeah and I think I'd like to believe that you know brain balance and my books are are part of that because we've been out there now for almost ten years, really talking about it and educating schools and teachers. Um, you know my book is very popular in the education community and and I think that you know with the science that's coming out in the brain and the idea of neuro education and the relationship between let's say movement motor ability and cognitive ability, I think that that's starting to change, but they don't know what to do about it they want to learn yeah. But they, they don't know what to do and that's why we give them the solution. And I have to say we have great relationships with the schools that we work with most of the time in their in our communities. Um, and that, you know, we've, we've actually had some pilot studies in, in a school um, where it works out really well. Um, but, you know, ultimately what's going to be great is when we eventually get schools and school districts to pay for our program yeah. so that every kid has access to it. Because ultimately it's going to save that school district a tremendous amount of money because you know you get kids that are in special ed um, that get a special ed certification in first year uh, first grade they have an iep and we know that they never lose it right so all the services that they're getting are there forever so the school's afraid of adding any new services but we find that most of the kids that come to us that have that special ed certification and an iep they lose it and they don't have they they don't have that anymore and so those services are then stopped so we actually stop that extra money um, that's being that, that that cost, and so I think it's it's something that eventually school districts will understand that.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of school districts are you know looking at uh, kind of <clears throat> kind of refocusing maybe how they spend uh, their money on certain things, and this is one of the the conversations they could be having. I think that's what's important for parents to hear and maybe to uh, relay to the school and the school uh, the people in charge is to say. Let's discuss a different way. Let's discuss a program like this that maybe actually will save the school money in the long run.
2: Absolutely. And I think, you know, that the Harvard study, when it comes out, you know, that is going to make it, you know, uh, an official evidence-based program that I think um, it'll be hard for schools not to pay for because it'll be really proven by, you know, one of the top universities in the world. And it is ultimately going to save them money. And I understand, you know, right now and their approach has always been, let's just try to manage these issues. And that becomes very costly because it never ends, you know, but their attitude was they... You know, they didn't think that these problems could be corrected. They they had the attitude like, well, once you have it, you have it forever, and that's not true, and we've proven that. You know, we've worked with, you know, tens of thousands of kids and families in the United States now over the past 10 years. I mean, we have a huge sample set. We have research data now with, you know, millions of bits of, of session data from kids that we've worked with that, you know, we, we have a, a huge amount of data to support what we do. Um, And so, you know, we're not just saying this haphazardly. This is something that really is incredibly impactful. And, um, you know, I think it's going to really... Change everything, but it can change a family right now. They don't have to wait. You know, they, we're we're there with a solution, and if they're struggling, they don't have to be struggling anymore. Um, and uh, you know, they should you just immediately you either get my book or or contact this a uh, center and get an assessment.
1: Absolutely, and great words of encouragement for parents who uh, many parents who are, are struggling with this sort of thing. brainbalancecenters.com is the website. The book is called Disconnected Kids, and Dr. Robert Melillo has been. My guest this week. This has been great. Thank you so much for what you guys are doing. Thank you for the research. Thank you for putting it out there. And thanks so much for being on our show to highlight it.
2: Oh, thank you to the. I appreciate it.
0: Your emails are always welcome. If you have questions or comments about today's show or an idea for a future program, email D, that's D-E-E, at B1015.com. Sunday Mornings of D is powered by Mary Washington Healthcare, one of D.C.'s best hospitals that isn't in D.C. It's in Fredericksburg, Mary Washington Hospital, here for you. The thoughts, comments, statements, and opinions of the host and guest are their own, and not necessarily those of Centennial Broadcasting, B101.5, or Station Management. Thanks for listening to Sunday Mornings with D. Daniels on B101.5.
3: It was very scary to find out that I was diagnosed with cancer.
4: For Kathy Carter of Fredericksburg, cancer's effects were all too real.
3: I had just lost two cousins in death from breast cancer, and the fear was there. Then some peace came over me. It was through the healthcare, what
4: kind of service I was going to get. Kathy did her research to compare cancer care at other hospitals. She chose Mary Washington Healthcare's Regional Cancer Center, where she met nurse navigators Pam and Regina. She felt a personal connection right away.
3: They were my lifesavers. It gave me a lot of hope. They cared about me as a person. From the moment you walk into Mary Washington Hospital, the nurses, the doctors, it's like they're so caring. Awesome. I got the best.
4: Today, after surgery and additional treatments, Kathy embraces the personal attention.
3: It wasn't just treating me for cancer. It was treating me, Kathy,
4: with cancer. Mary Washington Healthcare's Regional Cancer Center, here for you.